0: at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I want to ask you a question. Do you need an attitude adjustment? That's the question I used to ask my son when he was younger. Now, he's 30-something now, so I can't, I can't just easily put him in the head. Like, I probably could take him out if I needed to. But when he was younger, every now and again, I would say, son, do you need an attitude adjustment? What? What? <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's getting ready to be on. Do you need me to adjust your attitude? That's what God is asking the church today. Do you need an attitude adjustment? In, in reference to how we honor and respect the word of God. Your attitude towards the Word of God and your attitudes toward those who are in authority in your life, who deliver the Word of God, will determine how blessed you will be in life. The level of respect that you give God's Word, and I'm not just talking about the written Word, even the spoken Word, the taught Word, the level of respect that you give to God's Word and to His servants Will be the same level of respect that God shows you. So, in essence, your attitude determines your altitude. How far you can go in the kingdom of God, how far you can go in life, the level of success that you will experience, even how far you can practically uh, be used and served and display and release the gifts and talents and calls and purposes. Of God on your life in this church will be determined by your attitude towards God's word and towards his servants now there are some of us that probably think well I've got the fruit of the spirit I've got the gifts of the spirit they'll make room for me I beg to differ because I really don't know anybody that has an attitude problem with God's word and God's servants who freely and fully flow in the love and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit or in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have some semblance of fruit, but it's either rotten or it's fake fruit. It's like those plastic apples that, that you sometimes see on display. You they're inedible. Therefore, display only. There's no nutrients on the inside of it. It's fake. The different types of attitudes and Therefore, different types of altitudes. Some of us are carefree and nonchalant when it comes to the Word of God. We pick and choose which portions of the Word we will, we will receive or we will honor. Some of us, however, are quick to listen, quick to hear, and quick to obey. We highly respect the Word of God. And it's those people that will be greatly blessed There are some of us, just being real, we need an attitude adjustment. You need an attitude adjustment. I saw a cartoon sign the other day that I want the media team to put up. And it it just said simply, attitude adjustments while you wait. Now underneath that is a picture of a baseball bat. God is pulling out his baseball bat on some of his children today saying you need an attitude adjustment. You might need an attitude adjustment if more than two or three people are saying to you the same thing, but you are convinced that everybody else is wrong and they're picking on you. You need an attitude adjustment. You might need an attitude adjustment if you have a complaining spirit. Your attitude determines your communication, determines your behavior. It determines the way you think. It it determines the outcomes of your life. Let me take you to the scripture, just illustrate how we need an attitude adjustment and how we respect the word of God. I'm going back to Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 through 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. For this time, I'm about to send all my plagues against you, your officials and your people. And then you will know that there is no one like me on the whole earth. But now, by now, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague and you would have been obliterated from the earth. However, I have let you live for this purpose. To show you my power and to make my name known on the whole earth. You're still acting arrogantly against my people and not letting them go. Tomorrow at this time, I will rain down the worst hell that has ever occurred in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Therefore, give orders to your livestock and to all that you have in the field to come into shelters. Every person and animal that is in the field and is not brought inside will die when the hail falls on them. Those who are among Pharaoh's officials, verse 20, those who are among Pharaoh's officials who feared the word of the Lord, they made their servants and their livestock flee into shelters. But those who did not take to heart the Lord's word left their servants and their livestock in the field. Now some of us are like Pharaoh. You need an attitude adjustment. You have a choice when God's word comes to you. You either have a choice that I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be quick to honor, quick to obey and do what the word has said. And as you, if you do that, you're going to bring your livestock and all of your human, all of your family on the inside. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. That's honoring the word of God. Or you can just decide, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to walk in unbelief. And if you do that, you're going to suffer the consequences. There are many people that are suffering mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, relationally, emotionally, uh, uh, in every dimension of life because you are not honoring the word of God or the servants who deliver it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by an enemy army. And Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And in verse 14, in the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came and spoke through a prophet and said, you, you, don't be afraid, you don't need to fight in this battle. The battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord's. The word of the Lord comes when we put ourselves in a posture to hear and to obey. And this is what Jehoshaphat said in verse 20. When the word came, Early in the morning, he got up and he said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. There's no success when you dishonor the word of God. What would have happened if Jehoshaphat said, Listen, I don't care what the prophet has said. I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) They would have lost. They would have died. The word of God promises over and over, blessings, and deliverance to those who respect and honor his word. Look at Psalm 1 and verse 1. Happy, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, it prospers. That's the one who obeys the word. Whatever they do, it prospers. But the wicked and the ungodly are not so. Look at, jo- at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Even in the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament, This principle is true. In in the book of Matthew chapter 8, there was a centurion, a soldier in the Roman government who came to Jesus, pleading with him in verse 5, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony. He said to him, am I to come and heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed for I too am a man under authority having soldiers under my command I say to this one go and he goes to another one come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it and hearing this Jesus was amazed and he said to those following him truly I tell you I have not found anyone in Park Lawn with so great a faith I'm sorry in Israel I tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, Go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Healing comes through obedience. Could some of our healing be, be delayed because we need an attitude adjustment like Pharaoh? Today, the Lord, the the Holy Spirit is walking through the aisles with his baseball bat. (laughs) Can you just hear it dragging on the carpet? He's walking through the aisles. Bam! Attitude adjustment. Some of us are like Pharaoh. We have certain heart conditions that impact our attitudes. The first one is that we have proud hearts. When Moses first came to Pharaoh and said, the Lord has sent me to tell you to let his people go, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? I don't know your God. Don't you know who I am? I'm Pharaoh. I am God. And there are some of us that exalt ourselves above the knowledge of God. And you know what? God is walking down your street, dragging a bat. He's going to deal with proud hearts, arrogant hearts. He's also dealing with hard hearts, calloused hearts, cold hearts, non-emotional, non-compassionate, non-remorseful, unforgiving, manipulative hearts. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 22, after Moses demonstrated one of the plagues, verse 22 says, but the magicians of Egypt, they did the same thing by their occult practices. That's witchcraft. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. In fact, verse 23, Pharaoh turned around and went into his palace and didn't take even this to heart. Hard and proud hearts. God's also adjusting divided hearts. Divided hearts are are hearts that are double-minded. That today you're on fire for God. Next Sunday, we're gonna see Dr. Jekyll. Today, we see Brother Hyde. (laughs) Loving and warm and greeting and encouraging. One day, you feel like you wanna just kick the cat and slap the dog the next day. Divided hearts. Unfaithful hearts. Uncommitted hearts. In Exodus 8 and 29, as soon as I leave you, Moses said, he's talking to Pharaoh, I will appeal to the Lord and tomorrow the swarm of flies will depart from Pharaoh, his officials and his people. But Pharaoh must not act deceptively again by refusing to let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh's presence and he appealed to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses had said. He removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, his officials, his people. Not one was left. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Some of us are like Pharaoh. Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I'll live for you, God. God, if you pay that bill for me, God, if you touch my body, God, if you let her come back into my life, I won't do it anymore. God, if you get me out of jail, and he does it, and your heart is divided, and you turn your back on God, and you go back to your old ways. God is adjusting deceitful hearts. In Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You can't trust your own heart. It's deceitful. There's darkness inside of our heart. It says, Who can know the heart? But verse 10 says, I, the Lord, I search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. God is looking into our hearts. He sees the deception, he sees the darkness and he rewards us according to the level of respect that comes out of our heart for his word and for him and for his servants. Exodus eight twenty nine. Pharaoh, Moses said to Pharaoh, you must not act deceptively again. You're deceiving yourself. You think you're getting over on somebody. You're really deceiving yourself. There are many of us have good intentions. Many of us who are saved, we love the Lord, have been baptized in water, just like some of these are going to be baptized in just a few minutes. But in the depths of our heart, there's some parts that we are not even aware of that God is saying, hey, that's stopping you from experiencing the full blessings of God. In the book of Acts, one of the deacons, Philip, was, was anointed and called out by the Spirit to be an evangelist, and he was sent by the Spirit to the city of Samaria. I mean, these were outcasts. This is like going to the woodlands into Harbor Point. Come on, this is the part of, of, of the of the uh, country that nobody would go through. That's where Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. All the religious Jews were going around Samaria to get to the to their destination. But the Lord sent Philip to that city and a revival broke out amongst these Gentiles and people were being saved and being baptized in the Holy Spirit they were repenting come on this is true church and when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit by some of the apostles Peter particularly who was sent from Jerusalem by the laying on of hands there was one man named Simon who in his before Christ his BC days he was a sorcerer He practiced the black magic arts of witchcraft. Now he's gotten saved. He's gotten baptized. And he's looking and he's seeing the signs and miracles and wonders. And in verse 18 it says, When he saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands by the apostles, that he offered them money. And out of our heart we speak. He said, Give me this power also, so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. Out of your heart come your thoughts, not just your words. Peter said, you have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Wait a minute, but I'm saved and I'm baptized and I'm in the church. Yeah, but your heart is not right with God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours. And pray to the Lord that, if possible, your heart's intent may be forgiven. For I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound with wickedness. Simon didn't even see that. He didn't see the bitterness, he didn't see the wickedness, he didn't see the poison that was inside of his heart. So, if you got the poison of pride, you got the poison of hardness and callousness, you got division and a double mindedness in your heart, you got a deceitfulness in your heart, verse 22 is the key. Repent. Repent. It's wickedness, it will keep you from elevating to the level that God has for you. So Simon says in verse 24, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing that you have said may happen to me. Peter said, I don't even know if it won't happen to you. That's, that's up to the Lord. I, you know, you can come to the altar and pray. You need to repent first. Don't just try to get the, 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 the consequences off your life. Repent. That should be your first prayer. There's a a serious danger from being deceived. We can can literally walk around saved, water dripping off of us fresh from the baptismal pool, talking in tongues, but have a pride in our heart that we don't even know of, an arrogance, a cockiness, an independence. It's rebellion. You You can... Do all of those things that have a hardness and a callousness in your heart that when the word of God comes, it doesn't penetrate your heart because it's hard. You can be so double-minded, a mind for the world and a mind for the things of God, that you will not advance in the kingdom. And what it will manifest is, is in compromise. Instead of being fully committed to God, you just go a a little bit for him. And God wants to be Lord of every part of our lives, not just a little bit. Somebody said either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So when Moses was sent to give Pharaoh an attitude adjustment, let my people go, Pharaoh wanted to compromise because his heart was not fully devoted to God. In Exodus chapter 8 and verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and he said, Okay, you can go. I'll let the people go, but sacrifice to your God right here in the land. Verse 29, he says, You can go, but don't go very far. And there's some of us, we got that kind of heart. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be saved, but just a little bit of saved. I just want to be a little saved. I just don't want to go to hell. I want that much salvation that it keeps me from hell. I want to do everything that I've done in the past and everybody that I love to hang with is doing. I just don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go too far. In Exodus chapter 10 and verse 11, some of us compromise. We go a little bit farther than that. We're like Pharaoh. God's still adjusting our attitude. He said, okay, you can go, but just the able-bodied men go. Go and worship the Lord, since that's what you want. And they were driven from, the, from Pharaoh's presence. There's some of us that we compromise, that we leave those things that are precious to God, like the women and the children and the innocent and those who can't walk. We leave them behind, and we still pursue our own pleasures. We're not worshiping in the land, but we're, we're, we're taking our, our selfishness with us as we go. We make that our idol. In Exodus 10 and 24 and 25, Pharaoh called for Moses again. He summoned Moses and he said, Go and worship your Lord. Even your families. Okay, you can take the men, you can take the women, you can take the children, but leave your flocks and your herds. They must stay behind. It's another act of compromise. It's another manifestation of a hard, proud, divided, deceitful heart. Moses responded and said in verse 25, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings to prepare for the Lord our God. What Moses understood is that God was trying to deal with Pharaoh to help him understand that there's no worship without sacrifice. There's no true honor without without it costing you something. It costs you your pride, it costs you your priorities, it costs you your reputation, it costs you something. Moses says, we shall not leave one hoof behind. We're taking our stuff with us because there we what what good does it do us to get in the wilderness and we don't have anything to offer as a sacrifice to God? Because true worship and true honor are bloody. Something has to die. Part of you has to die. Part of your, your self-will has to die. Your ego has to die. You've got to sacrifice some time, some talent and treasure or there's no real worship, no real honor. There are a lot of us that can go through the motions on the outside and it looks like, it looks like, looks like that plastic fruit. Oh, that's fruit. Oh no, wait a minute. God said to Samuel when he was sent to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king he said don't look at the outer appearance. That's the way man looks. But they're doing everything that you asked them to do. Yeah, on the outside. <laughs> but God says I see the heart. He fired King Saul. You know why he fired him? Because he had a proud heart. He told him in in the first, first Samuel chapter 15, he said, when you were little in your own eyes, the Lord anointed you as king. He anointed you because you were humble. You were small in your own eyes. But when you became king and you got the title and you got the power and the privilege and the position, you figure, well, I can just do what the priests do. I can offer up the sacrifice too. Nobody can tell me what to do. He was proud. His heart was cold and calloused. His heart was double-minded. He was a people pleaser because the Lord told him to kill the king of the Malachites and everything that they own, every animal, every, every soldier, everybody, just wipe them all out. But you know what he did? He spared the king and he spared the best of the animals. When the prophet Samuel showed up, King Saul came out and said, I have honored the Lord. I have obeyed him. I have done what he told me to do. Samuel said, well, what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ear? I still hear cows mooing and the sheep bleeding. You didn't obey the Lord fully. He said, but I did. And Samuel had to teach him that partial obedience is still full disobedience. There are many of us that go through the motions. I'm doing what you asked me to do. Yeah, but where's your heart in doing it? Your head can nod, yes, and your mouth can even say amen, but what is in your heart? And the Lord rejected him. He fired him. That's the consequence of not honoring the word of God fully. He had to teach Saul this. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. There's an obvious difference as I look at people's lives and even as I look at Scripture. I mean, it's so obvious that Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles could see it. I mean, it's just, it's just plain. If y'all don't know who they are, they're blind, okay? They could see. The obvious difference that anybody could see is those who honor God and honor his word and respect it when it comes forth, whether it's written or whether it's proclaimed, they are so much more well off. In all of life, and life is not measured by money. It's measured by wealth. Wealth is beyond money. Wealth is the condition of your relationships, condition of your mind, of your spirit. It's, it, it's it's your connection with God. It's your connection with yourself. They are so much more well off than those who dishonor the Word of God, and that's what happened when the Lord sent Moses to Pharaoh. He said, all of these plagues are going to come on you because you do not obey the Lord. They're going to be on your people that are in Egypt. But those Israelites who are in Goshen, they're not going to experience any of this. There's a, God makes a distinction from those who honor him and those who don't. And So when the hail storm fell and, and, and those who feared God brought their animals and their servants inside, they lived. Those who said, man, who, know, who don't care about their God? Just leave out all of our stuff out there. They were all killed. In fact, in Exodus chapter 9, Pharaoh sent some spies over to Goshen and said, see how the Israelites, did they stuff die too? Sent spies over and said, nope, every one of them still alive. God makes a difference. He makes a difference between those who honor God the blood of his son jesus christ when you walk in rebellion you're literally slapping jesus on the face while he's hanging on the cross you are dishonoring the blood because you don't belong to yourself you've been purchased by the precious blood of jesus you belong to god and when you walk in dishonor you are dishonoring the sacrifice of his son that's what we see in exodus chapter 12 when the israelites in, in exodus 12 in verse 3 the lord spoke to moses and said speak unto the congregation of Israel say to them that in the 10th day of this month that you shall take every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers a lamb for an house in verse 7 and they shall take of the blood and they shall strike it on the two sides of the post and on the upper doorposts of the house wherein they shall eat and in verse 12 of the same chapter For the Lord says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I know that this scripture is given in reference to the Passover, which we observe first Sunday of each month through a communion cup. I know it's in reference to the Passover, but the, the point I want to make is that it's in, I want to connect it to the honoring the word of the Lord. If the children of Israel had said, you know what, I'm going to institute my own Passover. I'm going to do it this way. I know Moses said kill a lamb, but you know what, I think I want to kill a, a duck. Put the duck blood over my doorpost. You know what the death angel would have done? Would have came in that house and killed every firstborn. You can't do it your way. It's God's way. I want the worship team to come back. Because the the temptation for all of us is to take baby steps of disobedience. God says go all the way over there. You take a baby step, that's disobedience. That's you know what I'm going to worship God but I'm going to worship him right here. I'm not going to go very far. The Lord gave me this revelation from the parable in Matthew 13 where Jesus talked about a sower who went forth to sow in the land. He was sowing seed and seed in scripture is represented as the word of God. He's planting seed. He's he's sowing the seed. And he talks about four different types of soil that the seed fell upon. The first was the seed fell by the wayside. Instead of falling on the garden or the soil, it fell on the side of the road. Nothing's going to grow there. In fact, the parable Jesus says that the enemy came like a bird, and devoured the seed. He ate it up. In interpreting what that meant, Jesus told the disciples that the soil of the heart that's like the wayside is the heart that when the word is proclaimed, when the word is read, when the word is taught, they don't understand it. And so the enemy comes and steals the word. Now, most of us would probably be sympathetic. Why why didn't somebody help them understand it? Well, what it really means is that they didn't submit. They didn't come and sit under somebody and say, disciple me, teach me, help me to apply this word to my life. The understanding was up to them. So it fell by the wayside. The second type of soil, which is a type of heart, is as the sower through the seed, some of it fell upon stony places. See, farmers have to, they have to pull the rocks out of the soil before they till the soil. Because sometimes dirt, maybe a half an inch of dirt will settle on top of a rock and a seed will fall on it and it will spring up and you think you got harvest coming. And that's what Jesus says. It fell on the stony places, and right away it sprung up when the sun came out, the rain fell on it, and the farmer thought, Man, I'm gonna have me a harvest in a few more, few more months. But because there was no depth of the soil, the roots couldn't go down through the rock. And so when the sun continued to beat upon that plant and upon that soil, and Jesus gives an illustration say, Listen, the sun is tribulation, it's persecution. And its offenses. So you gotta, you got something that's looking like it's growing, but as soon as you offend that person, as soon as you give them a command, do this. Who you think you are? I'm leaving. As soon as you give them a a challenge, as soon as you give them some correction, they get offended, and it says they wither away. Some of us have hearts like that. That's how Pharaoh was. And the third type of soil, as the sower sowed the word of God, sowed the seed, it says it fell among thorns. And it says that when the word tried to grow, the thorns choked it out. And Jesus gives the, the explanation of the peril. He says, Listen, the thorns are the cares of this life. It's the concerns. It's the things that keep you up at night. And I'm not talking about I'm worried about my children and I'm, I'm worried about, you know, what's happening in the Middle East. And it's not ta- he's talking about personal concerns. He's talking about your pleasures, your heart's desires. He's talking about the things that you work for. I want a new car. I want a bigger house. And it's those things that we put above God. And our concern for those things cause us not to prioritize the Word of God. And a life in the spirit. And it chokes out the word. So you become unfruitful. So you become more carnal and worldly minded. Than you are heavenly minded. But Jesus says there's a fourth type of soil. And it's the good ground. And the seed fell among that good ground. And, and it brought forth the harvest. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times more. Than it had ever been seen. That's the kind of heart God wants us to have. I want you just bow your heads right now. All over this room, if your heart is like the wayside, if your heart is stony, if your heart is being choked out, the word is being choked out by thorns, by the cares and concerns of life, Repent. If there is a a seed of rebellion in your heart, even if it's as small as a mustard seed, repent. If there's pride, if there's a coldness and a callousness in your heart, repent. If you're divided and double-minded, repent. Let's pray this prayer together and say, Lord, search my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any wicked way inside of me. Take it out, Lord. I repent, lead me in the way of everlasting life. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.